Welcome back to Sports Talk as we get going here with you on a Wednesday afternoon. He's Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Busy day for you today. Hey, got to play a little X minus one today, too, in honor of uh, Christian's 50th birthday today. Wow. That, that must be a coincidence, Steve, because I have him already listed in the rotation. Do you really? Yes, without you even you. having to remind me. Dude, it's a milestone birthday. I'm a year behind him, so I get the big 5 next year. I'm excited. He's a little bit ahead of me. He's got like a, he's got like a 14-month head start. But I'm already ready to go. Matter of fact, uh, can't wait. It's going to be great. Get a colonoscopy. Get my prostate checked every year. Boy, 50 is just going to be a blast. That, that sounds like so much fun. It really does, doesn't it? Yeah. Ha- happy birthday oh, to Christian, yeah. Steve. That's awesome that he's celebrating 5-0 today. Maybe he can wait on all that other stuff. Yeah. And just enjoy a good birthday. That's for sure. That's exactly right. Give my brother-in-law a little birthday shout-out to begin the show. We'll hear from X-1 later in the program. Hey, by the way, um, you know, that's what always you hear when you turn 50. That's what you got to start doing. You know, got to get your first colonoscopy. Got to go uh, get yourself checked out and get the full physical and, and the prostate and all that. And, like, you know, I guess uh, it's just it's become routine for anybody over 50. But when you're still in your 40s, you're like, eh, I got a little time. Got a little time. Got another, uh, got another few months before that has to really go from there, you know? That sounds dreadful. Oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> that sounds dreadful. Telling you, that's what that it's it's all about getting older. That's what happens when you get older, you know? Guy problems. Those are the things that, that's the things you do as uh, as you get older. Yeah, so. exactly. I'm I'll be forever young. I'm I'm happy being 25. Ah, oh, you got think about this. You have 25 years potentially to even have to start thinking about that kind of stuff. That's exactly right. By I'm the time it. you're dealing with that, I'm going to be nearing 75. Oh, my goodness. It's crazy a, to think. That is crazy. I can't even, I, hope, I hope I'm still alive when you're hitting 50. That's, you will be alive. Come on. Let's not, let's not kill you off here. Thanks. Appreciate that. Um, anyway, all right. Enough of this talk. Enough of this garbage. Let's talk about the fun stuff. Um, and that is today's show. Two and a half hours right up to John Teicher live uh, from the, the star in Frisco, getting you ready for UTEP basketball. Hey, it's what it's all about, folks. These now it's time. It's championship week. Championship week for the UTEP men. Unfortunately for the women, they bowed out yesterday. First round loss. Goodbye. That's the end. End of the season. Um, still, I'm writing an end of the season wrap, and I don't even know. I mean, it's uh, the title of the story, and I haven't even published it yet. I'm still writing it, folks. So I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm want to you know give this story uh, some do some justice on this. But you know, the, the title of the story that I'm working on right now for the website is what happened to the Utah women's basketball team. That's that's the story. That's the headline. I mean, I, I still don't get what happened. I don't. How a team that was 8-2 and two ended up, uh, you know, crashing down like they did is just, to me, with the roster they had, I can't figure that one out. Can absolutely not figure that one out. And it's not like we didn't see this one coming. We did. We saw this coming for the last um, six weeks. You were just hoping they could figure out a way to right the ship in the tournament. That was it. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. And now the UTEP season's over, and hopefully the men can start a nice little run of their own and uh, go a chance to go deep into the tournament beginning tonight. 
Yeah, when you started to look at the numbers yesterday following that loss to UTSA for the women's basketball team, you really understood how bad of a loss that was. I mean, UTSA was just 3-14 and in Conference USA play, and they had lost seven of their last eight games before playing the minors. It will, And also, Steve, not to mention the fact that UTEP had beat UTSA twice this year by double figures yeah. in both matchups. So uh, that game was a shock to me. I had no – I actually – I didn't see this coming because I thought at least they would take one win, that one being uh, against the UTSA Roadrunners, an easier game I thought in my eyes, but uh, it goes to show you that A, this season just really did not go uh, well for them in Conference USA play at all, and B, when you go to Frisco, anything can really happen. That goes for what's going to happen tonight with the UTEP men's team against Old Dominion, who the Monarchs are uh, scorching hot right now. They are. I mean, they're, they're, you know, UTEP's taking on a team probably uh, at, at a tough time, but then again, you could also say that for the first time all year, the Miners are where they want to be. Healthy, coming off a big win of their own against North Texas. So this is a chance to be a really good game. This is going to be much better than the normal 4-5 game you'll get in the first round of the tournament. I expect this game today to resemble the first matchup between Old Dominion and the Miners. An overtime game. I'm not calling overtime, but I'm calling a very close one. And that one was very close. UTEP ended up winning 78-70, to and it was largely due to UTEP just hitting clutch shots in overtime and really taking over that game but in, uh, what they didn't have in that one which what they will have in this game is Keontae Kennedy he will be yeah. helping out the minors in a big way look at Austin Trice that's a big name to watch today the six foot seven senior for Old Dominion he is a tough one and the minors are going to need to stop him in this game but if you look at the Old Dominion record they're 13 and 18 I mean that is a garbage record but and there's always a but they finished winning three of their last four. They won at home against the two Florida schools and won them both in convincing fashion by 20 points apiece. They did lose on the road in Ruston to La Tech, and then they finished off by beating Middle Tennessee. Now, you could make the one caveat that with this basketball team, who also beat UAB at home, something the Miners didn't do, they struggled mightily away from their home court. So this is a neutral site game, but that being said, it seems like Old Dominion's best play was on their home court, and uh, I'm looking through, really, their Conference USA games uh, since the start of uh, Conference USA play, and I believe the only road win they had this entire season in the league was a Florida International by five. And other than that, they lost every road game. Every one. So the Miners are a well-tested road team. We know that because UTEP went ahead and um, earlier this season, they beat um, Old Dominion. Beat them, by, uh, beat them by eight. So And that was a crazy game. It was a game in which the Miners had a big lead, blew it, and then came back and ended up winning it. But um, you know, you think about this, UTEP is road tested, Old Dominion is not. I know it's a neutral game, not a road game, but you wonder if this will favor the Miners. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be an interesting matchup today, and I even look back to last year for the Miners, and last year there was optimism that how they closed the year, I know they beat the inferior opponents, but they still went on a four-game win streak. They lost to Kansas 67-62 only by five points before the conference tournament. People penciled them in at the time last year, 
to beat Florida Atlantic, and they ended up losing that game, bowing out in the first round. It was disappointing for minor fans. So just setting some expectations. Winning that first game is so tough in the Conference USA tournament. Uh, and, hey, by the way, before UTEP beat Old Dominion this year, the Monarchs were on a five-game win streak against UTEP uh, you know, before this year's matchup. So I'm curious to see what the Miners can do. They, they're searching for their first first uh, win in Conference USA uh, in the tournament since 2017. Well, you look at it this way, okay? Uh, Old Dominion has uh, a couple of forwards, and Austin Trice, who you mentioned before, and also uh, Kalu uh, Azipe. Really good uh, player, Steve. Yeah. Real, he's he's uh, earned Conference USA weekly honors before. And, and by the way, he's six eight. So you got a six seven forward, a six seven forward, and a six eight forward. So they, I mean, they don't have a ton of size. UTEP has the advantage with a guy like Verhoeven. They do. Um, but you look at you know those two forwards up front, and you know one of them is probably going to be a Keontae Kennedy matchup, and then the other one is going to end up being Verhoeven. And you hope that uh, you know the Miners stay out of foul trouble. To me, that's always the key when you're going up against big squads like this is can the miners stay out of foul trouble because this is a big one let's be honest this might end up being easier than middle tennessee you never know Oh, that's a really good point. I, I feel like for the Miners, this is their opportunity. Hey, they got the break on when, when you're just talking about the brackets and the side of it. They got the break of this one because they're not having to face North Texas right away, not having to square off against UAB. I still think those two teams are the best in the conference. So if they're able to push past Old Dominion, if they're able to mm-hmm. uh, give a good game against Middle Tennessee, I mean, hey, the sky's the limit right now. And we've got a poll up on our on our Twitter page, and I think a lot of Miner fans feel very optimistic when it comes to this Conference USA tournament. Now, for those of you wondering, because we talked about this poll a couple of days ago, and uh, we put it up an hour ago, so um, anyway, we, 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 we could have done this. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I got a lot of things going on. You yeah. do. You do. Um, we I, want... I thought about it today. I was like, wow, I was supposed to do this three days ago. Let me put it on at least so we could get some votes. Uh, better late than never, right? We've already got 74 I... votes in the, last, uh, yeah. in the last two hours. Most Nicely definitely. done there. So the question is, how far can they go? Can they win one game, win two games, win it all? First round exit. If you're wondering how far this team can go, interestingly enough, and this is fascinating to me, okay, 75 votes. The what what is bringing up the rear first round exit? So it tells yeah. me that ninety five percent of all of you that have voted think this team's going to at least win one game, and crazy enough, nineteen percent say win one game, thirty six percent say win two games, forty percent that's forty percent win it all. So right now, minor fans are drunk on the Kool Aid. They have they have absolutely gotten hammered before this tournament even starts, because a four seed in the West, we're talking about nearly half of everybody that's voted believing that this team can win it all. Yeah, I just want to you know caution that optimism right there because it uh, history says that winning a game in the conference tournament for UTEP has been tougher than you know trying to get at least one under their belt. And I, I mean, uh, uh, a streak right now since 2017, Steve. That's a tough one to break. A five-year streak since the Miners have won a, a conference tournament game. Absolutely, absolutely. So anyway, that's a a major storyline. To keep an eye on, folks, as we uh, get started here on the program. So that is a fascinating discussion. Just like the fascinating story today is what's going on also around the NFL. 
let's be honest, yesterday was Russell Wilson and uh, Aaron Rodgers. Today it's Carson Wentz going back to the NFC East. Now he's part of the Commanders. That's right. Commander, um, you know, that's uh, what do you want to say? Commander Carson. That's it. So there all of go. a sudden, Commander Carson's going to have to figure out how to salvage his career and also figure out a way to get Washington back near the top of the NFC East since uh, you know this trade went down. And look, Indianapolis couldn't fix Carson Wentz. We also know Philadelphia couldn't fix Carson Wentz. Can Washington figure out how to fix Carson Wentz? Hey, he's back in the NFC East uh, again, Steve, which is funny. Uh, I will ask you this. Do you think he outright beats Taylor Heineke right away? Like, sure fire. No. Sure, because Taylor Heineke threw for over 3,000 passing yards last year, and he was decent. Like, he's an av- above-average quarterback. I think right now Carson Wentz is the backup quarterback in this one. I I'm mean, look what, look what they received. A third-round pick, two third-round picks, actually. So a couple of third-rounds that could be a second-rounder if Wentz plays 70% of Washington's snaps. But you want to know something? It's not a foregone conclusion he beats Taylor Heineke out. Now, Heineke, 20 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. So, you know, the numbers were not great. Carson Wentz last year, 27 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. So on paper... I would give. I would say Wentz would be your starting quarterback going into it, but it'll be a fun battle. I think that's for sure. I mean, you know, maybe some people thought that uh, Heineke has potential because he threw for 3,400 yards, but the interceptions were a problem, Adrian, and that's something that Carson Wentz did not do last year in Indianapolis. Yeah, and I feel like with Carson Wentz, I mean, uh, the biggest thing is health, and it's always been about health with him. If he's able to stay on the field, if he's able to give you a full season, maybe you're able to get continuity at that position, but his leadership has been questioned. You know, all the different things with the vaccination last year was questioned, and then I, I look at the Colts right now, Steve, you know, going back on their end, that's a, that's a big loss for the Indianapolis Colts as they have now had, I believe it's like five quarterbacks in in the last five years or so and it's crazy to think that they just can't get a consistent quarterback back there now you're right absolutely so we'll talk some football on the show today as well that'll be fun and looking forward to getting some of that conversation jump started here on the show plus your utep talk and everything else but hey when we come back baseball trying to figure a deal out they're getting closer but ultimately a very strange holdup that we found out today something that really has not been an issue in the past is suddenly becoming an issue right now we'll talk about that with jay jaffe and get uh, jay up next on the phone lines right after we go to charlie one and get this traffic update starting it off with you on a big big wednesday championship week here sports talk continues 600 espn el paso 20 past as we continue here on sports talk Time to talk a little baseball and beer. Is baseball getting closer to a deal? Or are we going to continue to deal with more and more back-and-forth negotiations? I feel like we're getting closer, but here to give us the latest right now is Jay Jaffe from Fangraphs.com, who you can follow on Twitter at J underscore Jaffe and check out his work at Fangraphs. In fact, uh, Jay is uh, busy covering the CBA negotiations like earlier today. More marathon CBA negotiations push back real deadline to play 162 games. That's up right now. And yep, Jay, the international draft, that seems to be the biggest issue as we begin our conversation here this week. I didn't think the international draft was going to be a sticking point, but apparently it is. Well, not only is it a sticking point, but the, the problem is, is that the, you know, the two sides have been so focused over getting the numbers to line up uh, with regards to the, especially the competitive balance tax threshold and then 
the minimum salary and the and the, and the pre arbitration bonus pool. Um, and those numbers have have converged, particularly within the last forty eight to seventy two hours, to the point where it's like, okay, from here you can pretty much you know see as see them splitting the difference. But the international draft is a massive piece to this that is just has layers upon layers of complexity. And you know the 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 problem is is that um, Major League Baseball has talked a lot about wanting to clean up uh, the, the the international. Uh, system, but has not enforced the rules that it has, and there's a feeling that that they've done so uh, in order to sort of push towards uh, the acceptance of some kind of international draft, which you know caps labor costs and uh, you know exerts a lot of control. Where you know in, in in a situation that's much more akin to the Wild West, where you've got um, you know, a lot of kids who are as young as 12 years old being pre-committed to teams and not a lot of agency and a lot of abuses and coercion and corruption and exploitation, and it's a mess. And they need to sort it out, but um, for it to enter as a kind of a deal-breaker this late in uh, the negotiations when they can see, um, you know, a resolution with, you know, to, that'll complete the season within sight is kind of Bush League. Um, and maybe this would, maybe this is exactly what the league was planning all along. They want to pressure uh, the players into accepting this for the sake of getting a deal that uh, uh, keeps the season intact. But uh, it doesn't sound like it's going well at all, and I think we could, uh, um, it, it really could uh, prevent a deal from happening today or tomorrow or whenever this deadline actually ends. And when you wrote about it today on Fangraphs.com, it sounds like the biggest concern would be uh, players from the Dominican Republic, that that's really who could be affected most by this. Well, that's, yeah, that's where, that's where most of it is. I mean, you know, the, the, uh, the Bascones, the, the trainers there, um, you know, they, they train these kids. They take a lot of, uh, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, underhanded dealing and, and like wink-wink agreements over you know, the direction these players are going, because they can't legally sign until they're 16 years old. But you've got guys who are 13, 14, 15 being, you know, all but signed by teams, um, you know, and then the Bosconis then kind of keep them out of the showcases so that so that other teams can't find them, um, and that prevents them from, from being pursued. And, you know, the industry covers this as though it's just totally, you know, Natural. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, this this guy's pre-committed. It was just a piece on the Athletic uh, uh, over the winter about Juan Soto's younger brother, who's like 14 or 15, and and um, you know, there's already talk of where he's going, and it's it's um, it's gross, really, because these are kids who don't have any agency, and and uh, um, you know, they're being uh, led around by these trainers, and it's just it, it's it's a gross system. Well, let's talk about the way um, you know the, the owners' plans for an international draft will have an adverse effect on these players. So, as you're looking at Jays, the really baseball, the Dominican Republic, because they play at a very, very young age. They're very advanced for their ages, and then they come over very young and continue to develop as minor leaguers. Uh, what is the biggest, uh, in your mind, the biggest negative towards you know having an, an international draft the way the owners are proposing it right now? That's a good. That's a good question. I think just the the yeah you know, the players themselves don't trust it, and I think you know there's a there's a split. This is and the, and I think this has the potential to be a real schism within the union because you know, the Latin American players believe that believe that 
you know, existing rules could could prevent this. I mean, when you've got, you know, when you've got um, a draft, you've got, um, you know, control of the labor force, you've got uh, capping of costs, and those are things that are attractive, um, you know, to to uh, to Major League Baseball. But you know, they they limit the number of choices that a that a player can make, and and you know, I think there's there are concerns about that. Um, you know, I. I Honestly, I don't have a great handle on this stuff compared to uh, my my colleagues who are the prospect experts because I don't have to I don't have to immerse myself in this uh, the way that they do twice a year, um, you know, as as they scout these guys out. So essentially, right now, I know in the international pool, teams can spend millions upon millions on players, and yes. uh, you know, and they usually do. And uh, you know, the, the the top ten prospects make bank, and then um, you know, below that, you've got players that sign for much less. But that's still it's still very much like the wild, wild west right now, isn't that it the is, best description? It is, and you've got you've got players that are being you know, kids that are being given steroids to so that to uh, kind of boost their stock. You've mm-hmm. got you know, falsification of birth dates. Um, you know, you've got all all these all these kinds of abuses that you know are designed to get these kids signed by 16, and if they're not signed by 16, you know they're 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 too old, and and there's a lot of hopes and dreams that get crushed, and a lot of guys who sign for you know peanuts, um, some of them never make it stateside. They don't really have an opportunity for an education after that. It's it's just really you know it's a dangerous situation, and uh, and I think that. Um, there has to be a better way, but I don't know that I don't trust Major League Baseball to, to to act in in the best interest of these players, and I think that's what the players are really seeing, is especially the way this is sort of being backdoored uh, into the agreement at the eleventh hour. Is that how how can this be a good faith effort to to clean this system up? You know, yeah, you've got um, draft uh, draft pick uh, slot values and the ability to trade picks and the ability to kind of spread. Um, uh, the availability of these players around so that every team gets a crack at them. But, um, you know, this is not necessarily going to be done in a well-thought-out way. And I think that's really the the players' concerns. There was a very interesting thread uh, with ESPN's Jeff Pass and uh, relaying a conversation he had with David Ortiz, who, of course, is from the Dominican Republic. And he thinks that this isn't something that can just be slapped down in the middle of everything uh, you know, immediately, and even the even the league thinks that this is something that could wait until twenty twenty four. But uh, in one of their offers, they're reserving the right to reopen the CBA if uh, if the players don't agree uh, to implement the draft. Well, all I know is this: I don't really think you want to do this all over again in uh, in another uh, two years. I think that would be a disaster because ultimately, yeah, I, you know, what's all you're doing is putting a band aid on it for two more years, and that's going to be the same thing all over again. Yeah. Now this this whole issue is tied is tied to the disappearance of the draft compensation, which is something that um, you know that that uh, uh, has hindered the free agencies of, of free agents that have gotten qualifying offers. You know, it's it's uh, uh, if you sign a free agent that had a qualifying offer, you're going to lose your top pick, or now it's, I think it's down to this your second your second best pick, but you're still losing a high draft pick, um, and that we've seen that. Uh, uh, hinder some free agencies to the point that, uh, especially as the industry has come to value prospects and draft picks more highly, um, you know that it takes until the middle of the next year for a guy like Craig Kimball to get signed because some teams see 
um, the loss of a draft pick as being such a penalty that, that you know, it adds a, a huge hidden cost of, you know, may, that may be worth another $10 million. Um, so, you know, for, for Major League Baseball, I mean, for, you know, for the players, they want that to go away, but that only that only affects maybe maybe at most a dozen players a year. So these are not two equal issues, is, you know. And and to tie them together as Major League Baseball has done is 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 really you know something that I, I think is, has has gotten the players' ire up and and could. Uh, uh, could definitely scuttle the progress that we've seen made over the last few days. More with Jay as we continue here on the program, but first, bottom of the hour, right back to Adrian and this Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. We're back right now with uh, Jay Jaffe, whose story uh, from earlier today is up on Fangraphs. More marathon CBA negotiations push push back real deadline to play 162 games. It seems like the magic date. I mean, if you're baseball and and, and you're in this spot, if you lose Jackie Robinson Day on April 15th on the 75th anniversary of Robinson, that would probably be pretty catastrophic for the sport, wouldn't it? Yeah, I you know I think they want to make a big celebration out of it, and and uh, it would certainly be nice to see uh, them, you know, them them do justice to it. I, I don't think we're there yet, but you know if you if you watch the way that the cal- the calendar disappears here, you know March 31st was was opening day. Then now we're looking at April 6th and April 7th is opening day. If if they can come together this week, the next one would be April 13th and 14th. I think if you're going week by week, so that would just get in under the wire um, to 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 uh, to have Jackie Robinson Day. But you know you, you can't afford much much more leeway than that, and and we'll see. I mean. Um, because once once we bre- we get to the point where uh, it's not possible to play 162 games, um, the subject of the length of the season becomes a point of negotiation when it comes to salaries and and especially service time. And that's going as we saw in 2020. Those are not simple matters to iron out. You just you can't just say, uh, the, you know, the commissioner can't just say, okay, we're only playing 144 games. You only you guys are only getting paid for 144 games. That's not going to fly. Um, that's another layer of complexity added to the negotiations, and obviously we've seen uh, just how difficult those are. Absolutely right. Uh, Jay Jaffe with us here on Sports Talk as we continue. So let's just assume tonight they don't get a deal in place. They cancel more games. I mean, Jay, if that's the case, there's probably no end in sight to this, which is crazy because, uh, you know, now we're talking two weeks, and, and who knows, even though some think we're close, there's still a lot that, um, that, that needs to be decided upon, and yet the players do seem like they are finally making progress. If you look at what the owners have offered in the last couple of rounds, it seems like the players are definitely getting more that they were wishing now than they had, let's just say, two, three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, you know, the owners have, have it's the owners that are finally negotiating. I mean, yep. you know, they're, they were so stuck on on keeping the CBA threshold, I mean, the competitive balance tax thresholds uh, very, you know, very continuous with uh, uh, with the previous CBAs, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything close to what uh, uh, the players were looking for. In fact, <clears throat> over the weekend, it was reported that four uh, of the 30 owners weren't even willing to go up um, the 10 million, the, uh, go up uh, an additional 10 million dollars over last year, um, which just strikes me as, as almost absurd. I mean, you know, each of them had their own reasons. As I, as I looked at uh, um, their uh, uh, their their various situations, but it just it was just really uh, ridiculous that uh, um, you know that 
bits of pique that were that were keeping them from from getting on board with even those offers. Absolutely right. Okay, so uh, by the way, I'm heading to Arizona uh, soon enough to go start looking at minor league spring training. Believe it or not, a lot of the facilities are open in Arizona. I'm curious. Plus, I might swing by Mesa because apparently big leaguers are working out at some city park right now in uh, in Mesa. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's right. They're um, you know they, they've uh, the the players association has gotten. Uh, a venue together. I think they've gotten one in Florida and one in uh, Arizona as well, um, where where these guys can can get together and work out. Uh, you know, because the camp the camps aren't open to them right now because we are in a lockout, which is the problem to begin with. <laughs> exactly right. All right. Well, anyway, uh, what else do you have coming up on Fangraphs? It seems like you are right now pretty deep into all the uh, labor yeah, uh, issues. I'm going to be updating whatever I wrote yesterday or for, for this morning. I'll be updating that tonight uh, for tomorrow. And round and around it goes. <laughs> so um, we're going to see this thing through. And, uh, well, you know, I've got uh, um, some season preview stuff that I hope I can eventually get to write. And, uh, uh, that'll take me offline for a little bit, but also hoping to write the next installment of my uh, uh, my pitching series. Uh, I just did a podcast today on uh, uh, the great Dave Steeb, mm. uh, with a guy who's doing a documentary on him um, for the for uh, for the SB Nation site named John Boyce. And uh, uh, next up, I'll, I'll write it. I'll, I'll, that podcast will be uh, running tomorrow. Uh, next or sorry, Friday, uh, and next week at some point, hopefully, I'll probably have something. Uh, about pitchers born in the 1960s who who should be uh, more highly thought of for the Hall of Fame. Good. That's all coming up, Fangraphs.com. Beer pick of the week. Let's knock it out. What are we talking about this week? Okay, I'm trying to remember the name of this here offhand because I came in without it, but I believe the one I'm thinking of here, this is from Wild East Brewing in Brooklyn, um, uh, within walking distance of me. A long walk, but a, but a walk here. Um, this is their Funhouse Pilsner. Um, it's a it's just a nice drinkable 4.7 percent ABV Pilsner, a uh, little uh, creamy on the front end, little sweetness on the back end. Uh, just a good crushable beer uh, that I'm hoping I get more of here. All right, good job, Jay. Appreciate it. Keep following it up, and uh, look, we'll take next week off just because it's going to be tournament time, and we're not going to be doing much in terms of local shows next week because of okay. the uh, March Madness, and we'll pick it back up with you again in a couple weeks. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Jay Jaffe with us, folks, from Fangraphs.com. 38 pass. Let's go to KVIA News and a whole lot more coming up here on 600 ESPN El Paso. And a song you don't hear that often on Sports Talk, but you are today. Honor of Christian's birthday, one half of X minus one. Happy birthday, Christian. See you in a couple hours. 15 in front of five as Sports Talk continues during our conversation with Jay Jaffe. Major League Baseball canceled a second week of games. So now... The first two weeks of the of the schedule has been uh, canceled with no makeups. They're not making up the dates, so 162 games is now going to be down to oh I don't know probably 150. When it's all said and done, maybe 151 or 152. We'll see what happens. But um, they're looking at April the 14th as the earliest start date. Jackie Robinson Day is April 15th. You might as well just start it on the 15th, right? If you're going to do you this, go. start it on Jackie Robinson Day and and make that your opening day and let everybody wear 42s to start the year because you got to save face somehow. It would not surprise me one bit that if baseball does figure this out with the players, they will en- end up going with that day uh, as their first day of opening day. 
Yeah, talk about a return to play, if that would be the case, Steve. And uh, I, I would also just want to say that um, when, when we're talking about Major League Baseball and, and you know how the sides had some momentum yesterday, I really thought a deal was going to get done today. Just the way Me that too. the reporting that was happening early on today and last night, all the momentum that they had. So hopefully that's a sign that momentum is, is turning into a positive direction and that both sides can come to an agreement soon. Well, apparently that huge boulder that is the international draft is what kept today's deal from getting done because if you think about it pre-arbitration pool that was close enough uh the competitive balance tax definitely close enough like baseball came closer to that but it was all about this international draft and that's what um what, what's going to hold baseball from from getting started now the union claims they were promised a counterproposal by the uh, by major league baseball which never came baseball said it would cancel another week of games if no deal was reached this afternoon no deal Games canceled. That's according to Bob Nightingale. Um, and, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Now, does this start to look bad on the players because of the fact that the owners have come back in many of the different areas, but suddenly the international draft is what is holding up Major League Baseball and this new CBA? Well, I still think that there are some players that are affected, right? Because this rule really hurts the market for players who turn down qualifying offers. And yeah, you're right, like everyone. So it, it does have that ripple effect right there. And if you're the players, yes, you, you do want to bend at some degrees, but you also want to hold strong and be fair when we're talking about things like, you know, that what the market is for players right now in baseball. No, that's exactly right. So, uh, interestingly enough, um, uh, Jim uh, Jim Bowden, who uh, is a longtime baseball exec, he tweeted uh, tweeted up a reminder: if a deal isn't reached and more regular season games are canceled, all these core economic offers will start to change dramatically in the wrong direction. There is a huge sense of urgency to maximize revenue. Uh, for the clubs and salaries for the players and the industry. Well, that's not going to happen now since they didn't get a deal done. That's exactly right, Stephen. I guess you're just hoping right now that they can reach some kind of agreement. I know the the players might need to also stretch on their end, so let's see if this can get done. Hopefully by the end of this week, maybe that's that's what we can get if uh, the momentum was so good last night. Well, I don't know. Now that baseball's canceled another week, is there urgency True. to go back and get another deal done and, and do this so quickly? Yeah, maybe they take a little break. They reconvene by the end of the week and then talks restart then. Who knows? Who, who really <laughs> baseball's knows? Baseball's a mess, man. Baseball, man, this this whole deal is a mess. And the worst part is, you know, we're talking about basically a five-year CBA. This should really be a 10-year because I don't, you don't want to have to go through this mess every five years. Yeah, you definitely don't. Any of these kinds of work stoppages or or points of disagreement between the Players Association and the owners, it's just not a good look for the sport whatsoever. And I think a lot of, you know, just general sports fans, they're just confused about all this. They don't know really how to feel. They don't know which side to to go with right now. And, you know, the average fan just wants to see baseball back. Exactly. Exactly. A hundred percent. So, and we're not going to get that anytime soon. All right. Uh, UTEP uh, is going to be on in two hours. They're going to be getting ready to do battle with Old Dominion. 7 o'clock tip-off tonight. Uh, and our pregame starts at 6.30 with John and the uh, Longhorn Distributing Countdown to Tip-Off show out in Frisco. I know there's going to be a lot of minor fans out there and really hoping this team can uh, figure out a way to not just beat Old Dominion, but make a run in this thing and and live up to the potential that some fans hoped when uh, Joe Golding first came here. A little minor magic over these next few days. Yeah, I was kind of reflecting uh, earlier this week uh, just uh, how this whole thing has really come around because Joe Golding gets hired at UTEP and he promises in his interest 
introductory press conference, he promises that he wants to win immediately. Mm-hmm. And and to be honest with you, Steve, once November rolled around and we saw what the month of December had, I thought, no way. I mean, I, I in my preseason column, I, I picked 17 wins. I thought that was overly generous right there. But they got to 18. I know. They got to 18 without Keontae Kennedy playing the majority of Conference USA. They got to 18 wins for the first time, uh, getting more, uh, you know, the, they've had more than 17 wins since uh, they won 19 games in 2015 and 16. So they did a lot of, they had a lot of milestones this season. Hey, we thought, we thought that this was going to be a 500 basketball, basketball team, really, at the start of conference play. We figured, well, maybe what, 14 and 14 when it's all said and done? You probably didn't think much more than that, right? I agree with you. I did not think that was the case. Uh, I looked at this team without Keontae at that point, and having lost that game against Bradley, you know, they lose the first uh, two games of the conference opener against UAB and La Tech, and I'm just thinking to myself, man, could this team really compete with the best of them in Conference USA? Well, they turned things around. It was really after that Charlotte loss. After that one, they put together a nice win streak uh, against the likes of Old Dominion, of course, UTSA, Florida Atlantic, FIU, and Rice, and then after that, they started beating some of the best in Conference USA and competing against uh, the top teams. Yeah, exactly, and that's exactly what. what look, it included beating uh, the best team right now in the league in North Texas, and and you know, giving them only their second loss of the conference season. That's pretty remarkable when you think that you go through eighteen games and you only lose two, and one of those was against UTEP. Yeah, and there's an argument that North Texas. I mean, I, okay, this is a far stretched argument, but there is an argument to be made that prior to losing to UTEP, North Texas could have been in the discussion for an at large bid or, or some kind of bid into the tournament if they didn't necessarily win the conference uh, USA tournament but that's not the case anymore uh, North Texas has a blemish has blemishes on their record and now it puts the onus on them to actually win the conference USA tournament to get the bid exactly right and again I mean you just hope that you know the miners have have a run in them and and who knows maybe this team can can surprise some people we'll see it all over again if not maybe we can end up getting a, another uh, postseason game here in, in another tournament and, and get a home game for minor fans to watch this team play a little bit more. That would be uh, part of the goal as well when it's all said. Where do you stand on that? You say yes to a postseason tournament for sure? You would like that? I said yes. I said yes uh, on that really, what, uh, a week ago when we first discussed it? I haven't changed. I'm not. I I know you're against it because you want this team to go right on the recruiting trail and and try to bring players. I just don't know how much, um, you know, in terms of the portal, which is what they need. Let's be honest. They don't need freshmen. They need experienced players and I don't know how much that is going to be thrown off by playing another week or two of some postseason ball. Yeah, I guess we'll really have to see at the end of this week, and uh, this that's going to be the first time where uh, players have a chance to enter the transfer portal across college basketball, so we'll kind of see what kind of exits a lot of players end up having with their current schools. Hey, uh, again, for if you haven't voted on our Twitter poll we put up earlier today, how far you think UTEP can go in the conference tournament? Will they uh, be out in one game? Will they win one? Will they win two? Will they win it all? Those are the three choices you can vote on right now. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. 5 o'clock coming up right after this time out in Sports Center on 600 ESPN El Paso. Start of hour number two, 880-5763. That is our telephone number to get into the program. If you've never been to the Conference USA Basketball Tournament from somebody who I think spent, I think I had three years in Frisco and the previous three in Birmingham, the best way to describe it is... You're essentially playing in the practice facility of the Cowboys, and they make two temporary courts separated by a giant curtain. 
that is really what the Conference USA basketball tournament is. So it's a little weird because you can hear the game playing next to you along with the buzzers, the horns, and and the fans and everything else. But that's ultimately how they designed uh, this setup out at Jerry World uh, for the last uh, you know three, four years. Most definitely, Steve. And I, I, I'm curious to know how many fans are out there, how many, what the attendance is going to look like in a post-COVID world. I mean, you've experienced both of them as a media member. What do you prefer? Do you like Frisco or do you like the fact, uh, like host sites for uh, certain teams? Well, I like the fact that you can play tournament games in, what can I say? I, I mean, it's nice to play in a real arena. That's the best way to put it. Makes sense. That makes total sense. Yeah, because it's a makeshift arena. It, it's not a real. It's not an arena. It's a stadium. It's a stadium with a curtain. That's the best way to put it. And because you have two games going on simultaneously, um, it doesn't feel like a real game. I mean, they've tried. They've they've put the curtain in. They're hoping that it kind of deadens the noise as much as possible. But trust me, it doesn't. So you don't get that feel. You just really don't. And and that's part of the downside to it. You don't have the true arena feel. I mean, in Birmingham, you had Bartow, which was the the old arena. And then you had the new arena in Birmingham. And they kind of, I think they had the women in Bartow and they put the men in the big arena. Wow. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I feel like with Conference USA, with the tournament right now in Frisco, uh, it's just difficult to do something in, in a facility like that that's not made for basketball at all. It's made for the Cowboys. That's what it is. But you have Jerry Dollars, and Jerry Dollars is a big deal when he starts talking about wanting to have a conference tournament at his place. Look, here's the thing. Okay. When, when UTEP hosted the Conference USA tournament, what, it was 12 years ago, the women played in Memorial – the men played in the Haskins Center, and then they moved the women into the Haskins Center, I believe, for the championship game. I don't think the semis, if maybe the semis, I don't remember. But I know that the opening round of the women's tournament was in Memorial Gym, and that's a real basketball gym. And so is the Haskins Center, and they're right across the street from each other. So it's nice because even though Memorial is a little more intimate and older, it still gets loud. Same thing with the Haskins Center. So those are true, true gyms. But, you know, when you go up to uh, Frisco and you're watching it at the Star, I mean, you feel like you're just in a, you're, you're in a, it's, it's, it's okay. You know what it reminds me of? I'll tell you what it reminds me of. In 1993 or so, the Spurs started playing basketball games at the Alamo Dome, okay, before they built the new arena and after the hemisphere was over with. And, for the Spurs, they only used half of the Alamo Dome, and they also used a curtain to separate it. So it never felt right. It just felt like you're in this oversized football stadium playing basketball, and it never really truly felt like the Hemisphere, which was a fun arena, and then their newer uh, facility, which is also really nice uh, downtown. So it felt strange, and, you know, that it's kind of the way this, this whole thing with the Star is. I mean, just... <laughs> Jerry got involved, and and Conference USA said thank you very much. You know, it's Frisco. It's a nice area. There's a lot to do, which is good, as long as you don't mind paying tolls because that's what every road in Dallas is, toll roads. But um, there is a lot to do there, and, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to fly into Dallas than it is to fly into a lot of cities, including Birmingham.
Yeah, most uh, I, I understand that. What I what I don't understand is it, it kind of looks like an AAU circuit. Like that's the the curtain, the two yeah. two teams playing. I mean, uh, two different games going on at the same time. Kind of reminds you of like AAU. So I'm sure that some of these players when they walk in, they'll they'll probably get that familiarity. Like, oh, okay, this looks like you know the summer summer contest that I did out in Phoenix or something like that. Just a really really large AAU facility is the best way to put it. A really large AAU facility. Seven past the hour, 880-5763, our telephone number. If you want to get into the program, we'd love to hear from you. Now is definitely the time to do it here on Sports Talk, since we'll talk to uh, Jeff Erickson uh, a little bit later when he calls into the program. Um, but, yeah, it's just never felt right. Uh, the, you know, the fans, they sit, um, and well, there's really one side, and... That's the side that they would normally sit on when you're um, when you're you know in the football stadium. It's real the fixed seats and the practice seats and all that. Those are real. But then the other side is like benches. It's just you sit on the 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 side facing the curtain. Uh, those aren't seats. Uh, those are benches. You're essentially sitting on in bleacher seating. But that's not even see. They don't even let fans sit there. The bleacher seating by the curtain is only for staff and things like that. So when we went to watch the men the last night before COVID canceled uh, sports two years ago, we sat opposite the fans, kind of in that, uh, you know, in, in, in the bleachers is where we did. And the fans had the actual stadium, the, the the real seats, the fixed seats. They sat there, and that's just kind of it. So really, it's a one side, and what they do is they split it up with one area on one bench is one team, and then the other area is the other team, and that way you, you essentially have half of a half divided between the fans. Wow, that's so so are the stadium seats kind of like a football seat, like kind of like that? Yeah, they're or comfortable. They have backing? Oh, okay, okay. They have the backing. All right. No, the 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 seat the the, the garbage seats are the what we were seeing and that was just the the temporary. Okay, areas. got you. Okay. Yeah. All, all right. right. That makes sense. So, all right. Uh again, 8805763. Today was UTEP Pro Day for football. Uh we had a chance to go out there, watch the miners work out. By the way, uh Thank you to the Arizona Cardinals. They ran Pro Day. And the way it works is every single NFL team, one team will organize a Pro Day for each university. And because of uh, the Cardinals' uh, proximity to UTEP, because Phoenix is closer than Dallas or Houston, the Cardinals are the team that works with um, you know the minors, players, and, and, and do all this. And they handle the times, the measurements, the testing. And then what they'll do is they'll record all of that and they'll submit it to all the other teams around the NFL. So today, you know, you Adrian, you were there. You took videos of everybody. There was a lot of, you know, you had um, Garrett, you had DeHaro, you had um, uh, Caldwell, you also had... Um, a few other miners that yeah. were there. Yeah, so we you had uh, Dart Lee, Bobby DeHaro, yep. Josh Caldwell, Davion Inyang, Walter right. Neal Jr., of course Justin Garrett, and then rounding it out, Quadres Wadley running a little, running some routes and doing things in the running back group. So, Give me your thoughts on what you had a chance to watch. Yeah, it was interesting, see, because uh, you know Pro Day um, every year comes around, and sometimes we end up missing it. Sometimes it's not well covered. This this time around, there was a ton of people, friends, family, current teammates, players, coaches. 
coaches, whatever, you name it. There was some great representation out at Glory Field mm -hmm. uh, in response to Pro Day. I mean, that could rival some of the best Pro Days that we've seen in recent years, or just when we're talking about attendance uh, from UTEP faithful and just people being excited. And I, I think this does a lot of things for UTEP football because I'm not, I'm not saying that these players are on draft boards right now and they're no. surefire uh, NFL choices, but they, they perform today, they continue to progress, and maybe they get a chance at a training camp spot. Or, you know, there are those alternative leagues that we're starting to see in football, like the XFL and things like the that. USFL. So, exactly, the USFL. So maybe there'll be opportunities for these guys to play uh, at some formal level. Uh, but I do think that, you know, guys like Davion Inyang look great today. Justin Garrett, yeah, he joined us in our studio just a couple weeks ago, but he looks fantastic. Uh, I was really impressed with what we saw today out of the minors. I'm going to let you listen in to um, what Adrian had to say with uh, Davion Inyang. I do think that's really interesting. So uh, let me give you a chance to hear that, folks, as we continue on Sports Talk. If you follow Adrian Broadus on Twitter, good for you. If you don't, what are you waiting for? Because Adrian has uh, some terrific videos, always does at all the practices. And uh, here's an example hey, of Davion, what Hey, we're here for uh, UTEP Inyang. Pro Day. Uh, How do you think today went for you? Uh, today went good. I just put all my preparation I've been uh, doing for two months. I just put it all together today, and I, I did good today. I feel like I did a great job today. How important was the offseason for you just to get better, get stronger, get your skills ready for, for this big day? It was it was real important for the offseason for me to go train for two months at, uh, at Arm Sports in Houston. I feel like uh, Derek Blacklock, he, he did a great job with me training me and Walt and got us ready for pro day today. What would you uh, tell me about some of the things that you did today and how did you finish out 40s, you know, bench, uh, 40, all that kind of stuff? I think 40, I, uh, 40, I think I ran about four or five flat, actually. And then my uh, 5 10 five, I ran a 416. But all the other drills, uh, I don't know the times yet. And I jumped uh, 31 and a half vertical. So. You played a lot of places in the secondary. Where can you play in the NFL? You're uh, versatile. <laughs> I'm very versatile, DB. I feel like I can play anywhere, corner, safety, nickel, anywhere. Linebacker, you can put me a linebacker too, and I promise you I'll get it done. What is, what is the feedback you've been getting from people? Uh, that I had a nice day today. That uh, people did. People thought I did better than uh, what they thought I was going to do today. And I actually, me, I feel like I did a, a great job. I feel like I had an amazing day in front of the scouts, so I feel good. Sorry, what, what was what's next for you, man? Next is lead, this draft. Let's get ready. I'm ready for the uh, process, and let's get it. Hey, best of luck, man. Yeah, thank you. Davion Inging all smiles during the interview, by the way. And if you heard all the wind, yeah, it was windy today. It's always windy at, at uh, NFL Pro Day for UTEP, and, and it stinks. I mean, it's, it's too bad that they don't have a facility they can work out that doesn't have to deal with 20 to 25-mile-an-hour winds every year. Yeah, it really hurts things like 40 times when they're doing speed skill moves and stuff like that. I mean, I was worried with uh, when Gavin Hardison was throwing passes to Justin Garrett, like you'd get a wobbly pass or something like that due to the winds that were happening today. Uh, but the response I got from most players was the, the wind did not affect them too much. Uh, they were able to run 40s. In, into the wind and then against the wind. So Good. that really helped them with this. But, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it feels like every pro day it's windy at it's, and, and you can't control Mother Nature. I mean, they, they set this day up months in advance. You just can't control it. And, unfortunately, that's just the way it is around here this time of year. Let's go to Rich. He's joining us next. 14 past. The Sports Talk continues. What's up, Rich? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's good? Hey, uh, real quick, got a quick question for you. Yes. So, uh, Major League Baseball, I got that mess going on. I really haven't been in touch with what's happening, uh, just other than just kind of seeing if it's going to start or not, uh, if they're going to be reporting. But 
I know the Chihuahuas are going to be starting, and, you know, Brad and the rest of the team down there are doing a great job getting those guys ready. But I'm just curious to find out, well, how are the how are they training minor league baseball? Aren't all facilities closed? No, they're open to every – matter of fact, everybody that's not in the 40-man roster is at spring training right now. So the entire yeah. Padre okay. minor league system, including the Chihuahuas, they're all there. Now, there are some 40-man guys like Luis Campusano and Mackenzie Gore who are expected to be in El Paso to start the year. They can't work out because they're on the 40-man. But if you're not on the 40-man roster, you're there. So the majority of the guys that – signed minor league contracts, including somebody like okay. Nomar Mazzara, who's a six-year yeah. big league vet with the Rangers and last year played with the, the Detroit. They're all there right now working out, and obviously their season's going to start on time, and they're they're excited about that. Yeah, they sure are, and I just want to make sure you know a lot of people, because a lot of people are asking, they think, a lot of people are actually thinking that baseball's not going to happen at all, like minor league, major league, anything. So, uh, you know, getting the word out there, I know you guys are doing a great job of getting that out there, but I mean, we give them some more support and, yep. and really making it uh, know that like, the season's going to be starting in about a month, but I just wasn't sure on that. And my kid and my daughter, uh, my kid and my wife asked me about that, and I said, you know what, it's a great question. So I figured I'd call you guys and, and get an answer, man. Appreciate it. Oh, uh, you got it, Rich. Thank you very much. Yeah, all systems go for the Chihuahuas. In fact, um, hopefully uh, if the Padres open up their spring training facility like their uh, Peoria neighbors, the Mariners, who share the facility and already have it open from 9 to 2, hopefully the Padres uh, decide to do that next week. I'll get a chance to watch uh, some Padres camp and be a part of that. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that would. See, you'd have a first look, like the only look that we've seen so far. Pretty really. much. Pretty much. So, yes, the Chihuahuas are out there today, though. Hags went and spent the day out in uh, Peoria today and media is still allowed in but you know what is even though i could go as media i want to i want to bring my son and, and and enjoy that a little bit so hey if i can't go and just enjoy it as a fan uh i'll find other things to do when i'm out there no i understand hey why not make joel the youngest media member out there though i've tried to credential him i wish he can get credentialed for major league baseball like utep handles him sometimes and we'll be okay so yeah yeah that would be nice all right we'll come back and uh, talk a little uh, fantasy with uh, jeff erickson stay with us sports talk continues right after uh, charlie one in this traffic update thank you adrian we're back right now with uh, jeff erickson from rotowire.com uh here on sports talk as our regular weekly chat uh, still, you know, we're still talking some fantasy baseball. By the way, you're still cranking out a lot of uh, activity up on the website. It's a rotowire.com on the baseball section. And I was looking at some of the things. You've got risers and fallers. By the way, how hard is it to do risers and fallers when big leaguers are not even at camp yet? Yeah, when there's not any transactions, it's all mostly injury-based. You know, it's like, okay, Cody Hoyer's out for the year, so rise, you know. You get it, you know. Rowan Wick gets a little bump, bit bump up, bit of a bump up. That's been about the biggest move so far. Uh, yeah, it's 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 tricky, without a doubt. Yeah, it it really is. Um, what about for you? How many leagues have you been drafting in over the last couple of weeks? Well, I've had a couple actually. I did. Uh, I, I'm in the midst of a slow draft right now called TGFBI, the Great America, uh, the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Uh, it's a overall contest there of. 30, 15-team leagues, so 450 people in the fantasy sports industry uh, trying to compete. And a 5x5 five five league, not head-to-head, it's categorical. And, you know, it's it's a fun league, and we're, we're moving at a pokey little pace. Uh, some other the leagues in the contest are done, and we've still got about six, more, six seven more rounds left to go. But uh, that's good. Uh, I've got a live draft tomorrow night, uh, the, the NFBC Rotowire Online Championship 12-team league. Uh, I'm drafting out of the sixth spot in that one. Okay. You excited about that? Should be fun. Yeah, should. 
Give me your thoughts on what we're seeing right now around the NFL, especially yesterday. Uh, Green Bay with uh, making the move that I know a lot of Packer and fantasy football fans will like and keeping number 12 uh, under center along with Devontae Adams with a franchise tender. And then the big one with Russell Wilson uh, changing from Seattle over to Denver. Yeah, the NFL is the master still at controlling the news cycle. You get one bad story like Calvin Ridley, no problem. We'll just have Russell Wilson get traded the next day. We'll have Aaron Rodgers announce that he's staying. And, you know, hint, hint, he's, ag- he's agreeing but hasn't agreed to a contract yet. But it's going to be a massive deal. You know, that, that's the sort of thing. And all of a sudden, who, Calvin who? We don't hear about it anymore. Uh, they're, 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 they're fantastic that way. And, you know, you know they're, they're taking advantage of the opening, Every, you know, all the time. Okay, so we have, you know, you know, we have the, uh, you know, the the uh, the uh, deadline for offering the franchise tag players. That's on the calendar. Oh, we have the legal tampering deadline. You know, we have this, we have that. Every week, there's something on the calendar that keeps our mind on the NFL. They're they're just fantastic that way. They are. All right. Uh, as far as Russell Wilson at Denver, do you like it uh, as you look at his projected value uh, over the course of the summer uh, versus being in Seattle? Yeah, probably so. Probably has a better offensive line. Has I, I think that Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton are very talented. They're not quite as good as DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but um, that that should be a it's a pretty good landing spot. And you got to imagine that they're going to tailor their offense a little bit more towards his talents than Seattle did. Oh yeah, I totally agree with that. Meanwhile, uh, Seattle needs a quarterback because you know Drew Locke's not the answer. Nope. Uh, I. I well, and you know, you take that along with uh, releasing uh, their linebacker, uh, and you know, this is the start of a teardown. Uh, I wouldn't be. I, I, you don't trade Russell Wilson and then go get a more another expensive quarterback. So you're gonna, you know, this this is. I think they're gonna draft a quarterback, maybe, or they're gonna they're gonna wait a year and just try to you know get a veteran on the cheap and try to just get by. You know, your your basic Andy Dalton type to get through the season. I don't think you're looking at. Uh, a big deal. I don't think they're going to go for Deshaun Watson. I don't think they're going to go for Garoppolo, although I question how much of an impact Garoppolo might actually have. But point being is you're probably not looking at a big big name quarterback going to Seattle this season. I'll say this, no Fant uh, going to Seattle. That's a that's an interesting move for his fantasy value. Yeah, I, I think he, you know, I would have liked to seen him with Russell Wilson. Uh but they, you know, Denver's got Albert O and you know, he's cheaper and you know, when you bring on Russell Wilson that changes your cap situation quite a bit. So that that's another way of looking at that too. What about uh what happened today and now talking about uh, Commander Carson uh, with uh, Carson Wentz uh, in Washington? You know, it, it it's it's two things. It's it's an admission that hey, we messed up. Uh, we, we've got, you know, you know, we, we, they, they, the Eagles did, haven't even used the first of their first round picks that they got from the Colts in that deal before they gave up on Wentz. Uh, and this is five quarterbacks in five years for the Colts. You know, they've had this t- super talented core and, you know, the and, and they haven't been able to take it very far beyond the first round of the playoffs. They got very unlucky that Andrew Luck retired when he did. It's also unlucky, but you know, due to decisions of their own making, you know, by not protecting him in the first place, not getting a good offensive line in front of him, and so he had all that accumulation of injuries, and that's kind of you know, it's the gift that keeps on giving for them, unfortunately. It really is. Do you still uh, think though that Wentz uh, will be the guy over Taylor Heineke to uh, start twenty twenty two? Oh, absolutely, he will. Um, I, I don't think Heineke is really that all that much of the. Uh, 
you know, I, I don't think he was really much of that part of the future. I think they, they, they had a full year with him. They found, they found his production wanting, and that's why they, they knew they had to make some sort of deal. This, this is an interesting response, but, you know, it, they didn't want to pay the price it took to get Garoppolo or any of the other markets on, uh, quarterbacks on the market, so it's not a bad decision for them, and it didn't cost them a whole lot. Where do you think Garoppolo goes? Um, Pittsburgh, probably, is, is the first team I could think of, maybe. I think that makes sense. I, I really do. Although I, I also think that um, if they end up drafting a, a quarterback and there's already talk that the uh, Ole Miss quarterback could be right up their alley, so we'll see if that happens. But, you know, they, they're probably going to be looking to take somebody that's a, a guy for their future, too. Yeah, and keep in mind, too, this is a uh, veteran team. You know, they, they with a pretty bad offensive line is the problem. So you really don't want a rookie quarterback behind that line. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I think they'll probably address the quarterback position via via the trade market than, than the draft is my guess. Uh, but we'll see. Adrian saying uh, possibly Jimmy G to the Colts. Could you see that? Yeah, it's possible. All right. Certainly. Talk about uh, what yeah, – yeah, yeah, go ahead. He, you know, he, he's – He's one of the few names out there, but we've already seen a lot of QB turnover. Uh, probably more to come. Uh, it might, and maybe Kirk Cousins goes somewhere after all. I know uh, the head coach there said that he's planning on using him as part of the future, but what else is he going to say? So we might see even more transition coming up. Tell me about what you have up at Fangraphs.com right now. I'm sorry, Fangraphs. Uh, Rotowire.com. Uh, sorry, that's, a, that's no, the no J. Jaffe, yeah, Jaffe uh, really. slip. All good. There we go. Yeah. Go support Fangraphs, too. They do great work. Um, <laughs> Uh, a couple things we have. Uh, we're, we're actually doing a rookie mock draft right now. That'll be up on the site in a little bit. Uh, Four-rounder after the combine, just of all, all the rookie skill position players. Uh, so uh, not, not a NFL mock draft, but a fantasy mock draft. Four rounds, uh, 12 of us doing that. So a uh, lot of receivers in that group. Uh, you know, running backs aren't so great in the, uh, in, in the pool right now, so... From that, from that standpoint, but uh, that'll be some good content. Uh, lots of good football content. Obviously, baseball content, we're still cranking it out. We're hoping for the best, preparing for the worst, but uh, we'll have updated prospect rankings, updated Dynasty League rankings, uh, all that and more. Rotowire.com slash radio to get your free 10-day trial. Is the magazine available to buy and stash away until there is a season? Steve, we did away with the magazine this year. Uh-huh. Uh, end of yes. an era, as far as that goes. Uh-huh. Just think that uh, from a, you know, it's just print, print is hard to make money in right now. And, and plus, we knew with the labor uncertainty, it was a bad year to try to time the market on that. So decided not to do a magazine this year. So the magazine is the online site right now. You basically took all the content, put it up on the site like you normally would anyway, and now people just have to bookmark the site on a draft and live on a computer. Exactly. And you know what? Uh, it comes in PDF form if you want to uh, print it yeah. out, if you need something in your hands. But... Uh, we just. I hear you, Jeff. I yeah, understand. Lockout. Yeah, it's all right. Look, hey, look forward to talking to you next week. Appreciate all the great time. Don't forget, folks, rotowire.com, your one stop shop for fantasy sports. Um, next week might be, we'll talk a little bit about it. We've got basketball uh, with the tournament, so we might have to pivot a little bit, but we'll definitely have you back and continue the discussion here real soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Steve. You got it. Jeff Erickson, folks, as we continue 18 in front of six right now on Sports Talk. Back with more. Only on 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back, everybody, as we continue. 48 now past the hour on Sports Talk. 
So Jerry Jones apparently is getting sued by a 25-year-old woman who claims that uh, he's her father. Oh, yeah. This is not a Darth Vader, Luke Skywalker revelation. This is a 25-year-old who's now saying that it was an agreement that was kept hush-hush. You know, why can't people just uh, have a normal life and a normal story? Like Alfred and Deidre. They needed to sell their West Side home because they were moving to another city. And you want to know what they did? Well, instead of hooking up with Jerry Jones, they hooked up with Brian Birds and his team. That's right. Alfred and Deidre now have access to the best resources and information to get their home sold. Very quickly, the home sold for full price. Congratulations, Alfred and Deidre. A great experience. Able to move forward with their plans thanks to one person and one person only. And he is Brian Birds um, of the Brian Birds home selling team powered by EXP Realty. In fact, when you think about it, you know, some people are worried about leaving money on the table if you sell your home. Not with Brian and EXP. In fact, there's no drama. And if you thought there was any drama, he'll let you fire him free and clear. You want to know why there's no drama? I'll tell you why. Brian can guarantee to sell your home for a price and deadline you both agreed to, or he'll buy it himself. And that gives you the opportunity to make an offer on another home without fear of ending up with two mortgages. Because you know when and for how much your current home will be selling. Only one phone call to make. Official real estate agent of UTEP Athletics, El Paso Locomotive FC, the Chihuahuas, and now the Rhinos as well. Plus, the only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. His name is Brian Birds. You can check him out online at brianbirds.com or Google Brian Birds, B-U-R-D-S, and start packing. All right, so let's go from a story with a happy ending and no drama to a story that apparently is, uh, yep, making headlines all over the sports world. Jerry Jones is my father. That's right. So here is what apparently the, the whole thing, it started like back in 1996, okay? So, uh, and that's where this lawsuit really stems from. So in 1996, according to the lawsuit, um, the mother of the 25-year-old was paid um, hundreds of thousands of dollars to conceal that he was the girl's biological father. This is a secret that the lawsuit says she's carried her entire life. By the age of one, the girl was bound to secrecy by a confidentiality agreement signed by her mother, which, uh, according to the lawsuit, is mentioned. Now, listen, you're a year old. Chances are... Um, as you're learning to eat solid foods for the first time in your life, you're probably not aware of who Jerry Jones is and the fact that he's your dad. It's it's crazy. I can imagine the mom's you know been keeping this one as well for years, and the kid's probably wondering, who's my dad? Who's my dad? And you find out, well, it's that man, the man who built that billion-dollar football stadium, home of the Cowboys. Um, it's pretty wild. It really is. $375,000 is what the settlement um, explained. And Jones denied in settlement documents that he was the biological father of the child. But the woman was paid um, almost $400,000 in exchange for confidentiality and had an Arkansas friend and lawyer named Donald Jack set up the two trusts for the girl linked to her and her mother. 
which kept Jones's paternity a secret, according to the lawsuit, a copy of which was obtained by ESPN. A Texas judge ordered the case sealed this week after a motion filed by Jones's lawyer, but the Dallas Morning News first reported on the lawsuit earlier today. The woman is Alexandra Davis. She lives in D.C., filed her lawsuit against the 79-year-old Jones in Dallas County Court last Thursday. It says that Jones courted her mother, Cynthia Davis Spencer, back in 95 when she was working at the American Airlines ticket counter in Little Rock. Spencer was estranged from her husband at the time, according to the lawsuit. Now, Alexandra, the 25-year-old, has lived her life fatherless and in secret and in fear that if she would tell anybody who her father was, she and her mother would lose financial support or worse, the lawsuit alleges. Um, Again... Jones and his wife, Jean, have three children, Stephen, Jerry Jr., and Charlotte Jones-Anderson. A spokesman for Jones declined to comment. Um, Davis's Dallas-based attorney, Andrew Bergman, also declined to comment. Davis has asked the court to be recognized as Jones's daughter and to be released from the confidentiality agreement that her mother agreed to when she was a baby. I guess she could sue him. Uh, The lawsuit alleges that Jones abandoned and shunned Davis and forced her to live in secrecy after her birth in Little Rock on December 16th, 1996, Adrian. Man, Steve, what a dark cloud that has been over the Jones family over the past couple months. Between this right here, uh, the $2.4 million confidential settlement that they had earlier this year, about four cheerleaders uh, who accused of a former team executive of voyeurism in the locker room. Yeah, it's a a black cloud over the Cowboys organization right now. Man, oh man, oh man. This is a big one. So I don't know how much she's seeking. That is also going to be really kind of interesting to see how much she wants. But Jerry just dealt with that Rich Dalrymple story and the $2.4 million payout to the cheerleaders recently. And now he's got to deal with this. It's been a rough uh, 2022 for Jerry. Yeah, seriously, and not to mention he's got to get ready for uh, free agency coming up, the football stuff, like uh, the NFL draft right around the corner in in late April. Steve, it's uh, a lot of distractions around this club. And apparently he's dealing with a medical issue right now on his own. That's right. That's been behind closed doors. That's why Steven Jones is taking care of everything. Oh, my gosh. This is not good. Not good at all for J.J. All right. Hey, we are 35 minutes away from John Teicher and Steve Yellen giving us a little UTEP basketball Countdown to tip-off, 6.30. Miners and Old Dominion, 7 o'clock. They'll join us in about 20 minutes during our final countdown right here on your home for UTEP Miner Basketball, 600 ESPN El Paso. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue at 22 past the hour. Want to welcome back this man to the program. He is uh, Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com, your one stop shop for all your fantasy sports needs. I was so excited. I was thinking I'm bringing you on on deadline day where they were going to accept a deal. We were going to get baseball back. And man, this is going to be a celebration segment. Instead, uh, less than an hour ago, another week's of games get canceled. We're back to where we were uh, this whole time. And, and again, uh, things not looking any better for our uh, national pastime. 
No, I didn't have my hopes up this time, Steve. I got, you know, I I, I was played last week um, by uh, everybody, and you know, notably the owners leaking through like Nightingale and Heyman uh, that uh, oh, the deal's close, the deal's close. Oh no, it's not really that close. Uh, so I wasn't fooled this time, at least. Um, I'm disappointed, nonetheless. Uh, this didn't have to happen. These are self-imposed deadlines by the owners. Um, they didn't, you know. It ended today with the players having one counter and the owners refusing to even consider it. Uh, they didn't even, it's not like they even 